Here's the hard truth about the wounds of trauma. Some of the things you didn't get as a child can't be fixed directly. We can't go back in time. We can't be children again to receive the proper love and care we needed so badly. And we can't save people we lost. But we can learn to fill our lives with love and support now and start working on the triggers and the distorted thinking and the self-defeating behaviors that are the natural byproduct of trauma in your childhood. You now, this is what you can heal. And when you do, everything changes. Your thinking, your relationships, your capacity to recognize the red flag people versus the people who it does make sense to love. Hey, it's Anna here, just taking a little pause to talk about getting help when you're having a rough time. There are a lot of things you can try, and one of them is online therapy through BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible, and those are very good things, because finding a therapist can be really hard. BetterHelp makes it easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist who meets your criteria. And when you click the special link that I'm going to give you, it not only helps this podcast, but it gets you 10% off your first month of therapy. So you can connect with a therapist, see what happens, and if anything feels like it's not a fit, which is common in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. No stress about insurance or who's in your network or anything like that. So if you're struggling and you need to talk to a human, try BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-C-F. C-C-F stands for Crappy Childhood Fairy. That's BetterHelp dot com slash C-C-F. There's also a link in the episode description if you need it. That might be easier. Thanks for sponsoring us, BetterHelp. Now, back to the show. My letter today is one with some details that are hard to hear. It's from a man I'll call Richard, and he writes... Dear Crappy Childhood Fairy, I spent the first seven years of my life with a very unstable and often dangerous home life. My mother was a heroin addict, and her on-off partner for much of this time was an alcoholic. <sighs> Neither of them were violent or abusive people, but my mother was rarely emotionally available. She had a few attempts at rehabilitation during which time we would stay with family friends or grandparents or in temporary foster care. My mother didn't work. The household had very little money and she was raising three children. I was the middle child in between two sisters with two different fathers. My dad lived in California for much of this time. I'm from the Northeast of England. It got to the point where my mother was struggling so much with addiction and withdrawal and attempts at recovery and relapses that our school would no longer let her collect us as the other parents didn't want her around their children. So we were looking after ourselves from a very young age. Ah, oh. my older sister would have been about eight or nine and my younger sister was only three years old. My mother didn't work and we were being raised on benefits or welfare, which I don't feel is anything to be ashamed of. There was often no food in the house and my elder sister was essentially acting as our main caregiver. I'm really sad about this, so I'm halting here. When I was seven years old, my sister and I got up to get dressed for school and we found our mother on the floor. We were too late, it was an overdose. 
We left our home to go to our grandparents and never went back, not even for any toys or possessions, etc. No adults in our life ever had a conversation with us about what had happened at that time. Oh boy, that morning has stuck vividly in my head and replayed on a loop pretty much every day since. Oh yeah, looping thoughts about something so traumatic, very normal with trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm now 37 years old and have never been in a healthy romantic relationship. They've either started as drunken encounters, and he says, I developed alcoholism in my teens, but I'm thankfully now six years sober. Yay! That's incredible. That's great. Good for you. No healthy romantic relationships. They've either started as drunken encounters, um, which I ended myself, Richard says, before they got started, or I've been in what started as more normal relationships, which soon saw me becoming extremely anxious, paranoid, jealous, and obsessive. I can sure see how that would be your wound after what happened with your mom. The longest relationship I have had lasted four months, and it took me about five or six years to get over that person. Aw. Okay. All right. You're in the right place. I had all but given up hope of ever being involved with anyone until I reconnected with a former colleague of mine and we started hanging out quite regularly. She was very clear about wanting to take things slowly and keep things platonic for a while, which I thought I was okay with until the old feelings of terror quickly began to resurface. We ended up having a bit of a romance over Christmas, non-sexual, before she soon reminded me that she had all already said she didn't want a relationship. I really care about her. We have a lot of shared interests and still text almost every day and see each other as friends about once a week. Okay, I'm a little confused that it was a romance but not sexual. I assume you mean you didn't have sex but there was kissing or something? Something to make it a romance. She recently told me that I'd really upset her by coming on too strong over Christmas when she said she wanted to just be friends and said that she's always had feelings for me. But when we worked together about a decade ago, I was always interested in other people. Some of them were friends of hers, and she just doesn't trust that I actually like her. I was still an active alcoholic when we worked together, and in all honesty, I can't recall where my head was at at the time, or who I might have been interested in. I do know that pre-sobriety I wasn't able to even attempt to form healthy romantic or intimate bonds with people. Okay, so that explains that. She also recently reminded me that she also suffers with CPTSD from childhood trauma. She said we had spoken about this when we worked together, and I'm deeply ashamed to say that I can't remember that conversation at all. That's okay. Please don't be hard on yourself. You're a person who very understandably got into drinking, became alcoholic, and then you stopped. You're amazing. And so it's okay that you don't remember that. And any anybody who dates you and can't appreciate that you are somebody who got sober and who can't understand why you don't remember and who can't be glad that you're showing up now with your heart wide open, I don't think they get to be your girl. That's what I think. So it feels like we do have a, a genuine fondness, you said. And then you plan this holiday, but now she's saying it's not a romantic holiday. I feel like at this point she's jerking you around. We'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Since she told me I had upset her, I've fallen back into a familiar hole of depression that I've not been in since my last potential relationship fell to pieces about eight years ago. I haven't really eaten, slept, or left my bedroom for three weeks now. Oh no, yeah, that's depression. That's depression. Um, I spend time just waiting for her to text me, which 
always eventually, she always eventually does, and we have some really nice chats. So this sounds to me like abandonment melange and, um, and also limerence and also clinical depression. And I'm, I can't diagnose that, but what you're describing, this is like, this is when you go talk to a professional to get out of the clinical depression. There are some life problems we can handle without professional help, but when you can't eat or sleep or get out of bed for three weeks, it's time. It's time to call a friend to help you arrange that, to see somebody about that. You know, this is the sort of thing that the professionals know what to do about and just get you kind of out of that pit. I personally, I understand deeply why you would feel all of these things, depressed, limerent, you know, having abandonment melange. Abandonment melange is like an emotional flashback for people who have been literally abandoned, literally abandoned as a kid. Even having a mom who's on heroin, you know, was abandonment for you. And then, you know, she died. Oh gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, so all of this is going on and it comes up very strongly and it's unbearable and it feels like we don't dare make any decision that would cause us to feel abandoned, like get over it, stop calling, accept reality, because it feels like we will die. But this is, but this is actually not life and death. Those are old feelings that were from your child self. And if you, once you even know that, you can tell yourself, oh, this is abandonment melange, then it can come down quite a lot. You're like, I'm having this like crappy, unfulfilling relationship with this woman who, you know, is totally on the fence or just wants a friend um, and is, you know, sometimes people who just want a friend, even though we're making it very clear, like we love them, we want to be together, they're feeding off our energy. It, it's, a, it's a bad dynamic. We lose. Everybody loses. They get some energy. It doesn't make them better people, that's for sure. But we lose our energy. And so I really encourage you to just like draw the boundary on this, this arrangement right now about being friends and hoping. And, um, but first things first, professional help to deal with the immediate depression. And then uh, support friends, people who get it. And you said the last thing you want to do is upset her again without even realizing you're doing it. And I'm like, there's the trauma talking. That's not, that doesn't belong. Like, oh, the last thing I would want is to upset her again. No, the last thing you want is to stay stuck like this, unable to eat, sleep, and, 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 and get out of bed. That's the last thing you want. When you have your power back and your energy back and you, you're able to like function and have a day, even if you're sad, even if you, um, you know, are missing her, that you can still have a good day in your life. You know, the last thing you want is to lose that. And the thing you most want is to recover it again, to be back in your life, in your life, having your experiences dating. You know, you're six years sober. Now I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people who never got sober, who were in early sobriety, who long-term sobriety. And if you're starting to have sincere feelings for somebody at six years, that's about right. And it may take a while for you to get this right. Nobody becomes alcoholic or needs to get sober because everything's fine, right? Accept that about yourself. It's okay. And you're delicate. You need good friends. So you say, should I stop clinging on to hope? Yes, that something more might happen if you just do. There's nothing you can do. Although I would just say, if you, if you want, you can leave the door open 
but you can be very direct. Let me just suggest something that you can say if you feel that it's true for you, is you could say, you know what, I'm really interested in you. I've had a really hard time being just friends with you. I'm kind of confused. We had that thing at Christmas and then it was like nothing and now you want this vacation. That would be really hard for me. So I'd love to have you in my life, but you need to understand that I have romantic feelings for you. And if you're not okay with that, then it doesn't make sense for us to be friends. If you would like to date, do let me know. But in the meantime, I'm gonna get on with my life. And do that. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier to just shut the door and lock it. But if you want, give that a try. I don't understand her. So I'm just out on a limb here. But there's, I, I sense a possibility that she's being manipulative. And she wants her cake and eat it too. And she wants you there, but she just, you know, she doesn't want you to go away. She wants to have that adoring energy. And then she gets mad at you, mad at you. Like, because you were having a little romantic thing. I don't know. The communication here is terrible. So even if she was interested in you, I'd be very concerned that she's not really together enough. Now you wanted to know, can two people with CPTSD have a good relationship? Yes, but they both want, they, they need to both really be invested in healing and actively doing that. And they both need to really want to be in their relationship and actively working on that. And anything less is not good enough. It's just not good enough. So consider, if you date somebody else in the future, consider dating somebody who doesn't have CPTSD. Maybe that's not the kind of person you meet. So we can't really control who we fall in love with or when love comes to town, but it'll come again. It'll come again. And um, possibly when she has more space, when you're not just like energetically crowding in there going, do you like me yet? Do you like me yet? Do you like me yet? Maybe she'll have space to discover her feelings. It's possible, such things have happened. You could experiment with that, but I really want you to get support with friends and professional help so that you're solid even if things go south with her. This can't be your like your life and death thing. She is not, I, I have very little evidence that she's the one. It would be such a shame for you to throw away your happiness over her when somebody who really is into you could be just around the corner. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs in the episode description below or on my website, crappychildhoodfairy.com. If you're going through a hard time and you need online therapy, I encourage you to check out BetterHelp. They're easy and affordable and they can connect you with someone you choose within a few days. And if you use this special URL, you not only help this channel, but you get 10% off your first month of therapy. So go to betterhelp.com slash ccf, as in crappy childhood fairy. That's betterhelp.com slash ccf. And remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.